This is Weibo Podcast Network News. It's Women's Month. Lancaster ISD showcases its STEM programs and despite proposed budget cuts from Washington, the Lancaster ISD Special Olympics program is going forward. All those stories and more on this edition of Weibo Podcast Network News. I'm Marissa Chavez. March was Women's Month, and Lancaster ISD celebrated accordingly. It means that at least people are trying to help us get equality, but I would really like them to pass the Equal Rights Amendment that they tried to pass in the 1970s. It would have meant that it would have been against the law to pay women less for the same job with the same experience. That was Lancaster High School English teacher and UIL Academics Coordinator Rebecca Libridden. She adds that it is important for women to be celebrated. For centuries, women have achieved a great deal and it's been given credit to men and that has kept women as subservient. And finally, since the um, women have gotten their rights for with the amendment to give women's right to vote, slowly but surely, women are able to achieve and to go into any place of work. The one place of work that I'm concerned that hasn't been uh, finally bridged is the top level of politics, which seems to be getting better, but we've still never had a female president, and the women going into technological fields, because there's still very few women that are allowed to go into tech fields. The lack of women going into technical fields, especially women of color, is a focus of Lancaster ISD Director of Blended Learning, Kim Lane Clark. Rekia Morgan has that story. Lane Clark recently published an article for the monthly magazine of the trade group International Society for Technology in Education, or ISTE, what addresses the issues of why many students of color do not major in technology fields. The issue um, is, is that um, many students don't get the opportunities to take those classes when they're in high school and middle school. Um, the opportunity doesn't ex does not exist for those students, and since those those opportunities don't exist, the kids don't even know that they can take those classes, especially African American and Hispanic students. That number is even fewer for women of color. As today's date, um, there's still a lack of girls involved in um, computer science fields. Well, even if there are ladies that are actually in computer science and STEM fields, um, th there's only about 1% that actually represent African Americans. So everybody deserves that opportunity, I mean, especially girls. And so if we get our population um, of African Americans and Hispanics, we'll be able to have some type of playing um, spot in the field of computer science and STEM. Lane Clark adds a lot of this issue is because there's a diversity divide in computer science and STEM fields. Everybody has the opportunity to be able to get in those CS and, C and computer science fields and the issues um, are at hand is that when our kids graduate they don't even have the opportunities they don't even know and many times affluent school districts and kids they have those opportunities so I really think it's sad. In addition to being published recently Kim Lane Clark also was named a finalist by the Texas Computer Educators Association for Technology Administrator of the Year. For Rebo Podcast Network News I'm Rakia Morgan. <laughs>
on March 23rd, Lancaster ISD held their annual STEM showcase at Lancaster High School. It was three hours of science, technology, engineering, math, and arts demonstrations. Lancaster ISD Board of Trustees President Ellen Clark was impressed with the way fairy tales were used to teach engineering. It was interesting how they took uh, a simple thing like the three little pigs and they explained to everybody how the building would not blow down, how you could keep it from blowing down, or, and how you were going to be safe inside of the building and so the wolf couldn't get to you. Superintendent of Schools Elijah Granger says Showcase was culmination of what the students did in the classroom this year. It's an opportunity for us to be able to showcase the, the quality of education that our students are receiving here in Lancaster ISD. So it's very exciting to see the wonderful work that our students are doing and also the work that our uh, staff members are doing, our teachers uh, in Lancaster. Next year's STEM showcase is already in the planning stages. The Weibo Podcast Network did a live recording of the STEM showcase with plenty of interviews. Those special edition podcasts will be released into your podcast stream soon. The Lancaster ISD Department of Fine Arts has a big event coming up soon. Candace McCowan has the story. On May 2nd, the annual Majestic presentation from the staff and students of Fine Arts will be at the Majestic Theater in downtown Dallas. Planners are working to incorporate each of the arts into the year's unique storyline. Right now, we are kind of um, shaping the um, overall concept of the show. You know, brainstorming, um, getting ideas together, how it will look visually. Um, to our audience. This is District Visual Arts Coordinator Tracy Salters. LHS Jazz Band Director Dr. Lewis Thomas says it is important to get the script right. But once we decided, once we get on the same track, and once we get everything going in the right direction, it takes off like wildfire. The audition process is already moving forward. Rehearsals begin March 30th. For Weibo Podcast Network News, I'm Candice McCowan. During this year's STEM Showcase, Lancaster ISD Director of Fine Arts, Gary Williams, told the Weibo Podcast Network that the department has recently completed planning meetings with the artistic director and production designer. We are truly excited. This year's theme is Soul Train, right? But it's always our take on what that really means to us, right? And so we have an opportunity to really dive into what the arts means to students and what it means to us as a district in LISD. There are two school board elections coming soon. Zaria Smith has the story. Board of Trustees positions for District 3 and 6 are up for a re-election this year. It affects the district because um, the school board members have the ability to approve or not approve um, current programs or policies or action items. That was Lancaster ISD Chief of Communications, Sharice Nix-Lightfoot, explaining that everything the district does goes through the Board of Trustees. The school board um, sets the standard for the district. They address um, budgeting issues again. They develop revenue streams. Um, they're an advocate for our students and for our schools. Um, and what they do is they reflect the community's expectations for the school district. She adds that voting, regardless of what the election is, is important. Get out and vote. 
um, on early election or uh, May 4th election day. Um, know who is representing your district. Um, make sure people are truly invested in what's best for kids and what's best for students. Um, do your research, do your homework on who's the best candidate because um, that person really does influence the decisions that are made in the district. The incumbent in District 3 is Rhonda Davis Crawford. She is opposed by Cecile Sharper and Deborah Jackson. The incumbent in District 6 is Kevin Davis Jr. He is opposed by Carolyn Ann Morris and Shanique Lewis. The last day to register to vote is April 4th. Early voting begins April 22nd and ends April 13th. Election day is May 4th. For Weibo Podcast Network News, I'm Zari Smith. The annual Lancaster ISD Special Olympics track meet is in late April. Genesis Simmons has the story. For eight years, Lancaster ISD has hosted this meet. District Lead Educational Diagnostician, Lachelle Washington. It's important because it's all-inclusive, and it gives students who otherwise don't have a voice an opportunity to be heard in their different areas of strength. Special Olympics events are beneficial. They gain a feeling of um, success, a feeling of achievement, and it gives them something to build their skills and work towards the entire school year. The meet will be April 23rd at Beverly D. Humphrey Tiger Stadium. For Weibo Podcast Network News, I'm Jensa Simmons. Finally, the mini Tigerette camp was March 2nd. The camp served two purposes, according to Tigerette sponsor Quinta McBay. First of all, it's a fundraiser for um, the Tigerettes for their spring show um, to assist with uh, various costs um, that are, are associated with spring show and also to really incorporate or expose, maybe I shouldn't say incorporate, expose our younger babies to some of what we do and raise the interest at an early age. And that interest level was indeed raised. What was the best part of camp? When, um... When we were on the stage. Why was that the best part? Because um, cause we got to dance. Ooh, that's cool. We learned how to dance. Oh, what was the best part of camp? Have some candy. Uh, uh, because it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Yeah. What did you learn today? I learned about... Um, I learned to... Uh, for dance, we learned a new routine, and we um, learned something else. We learned, um, that was it. Why did you come to the Mini Tigerettes camp? So I can learn how to dance better than I used to. Ooh. What did you learn today? I learned how to do the unicorn. Thank you very much to Ophelia Brown for the interview of all those Mini Tigerette campers for us. That's Weibo Podcast Network News for March of 2019. Additional reporting this edition by Brayo Gooden, Angel Cole, Ashley Williams, Aja Alexander, Ayana Perry, Kalia Coleman, Elijah Moham, Kayla Lerma, and Cameron Anderson. Weibo Podcast Network News is produced in a partnership between Tiger Student Media and the Lancaster ISD Department of Communications. Follow us on Twitter at Weibo Podnet. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are hosted. For Weibo Podcast Network News, I'm Marissa Chavez. This has been Weibo Podcast Network News.
This is Weibo Podcast Network News. COVID-19 has forced radical changes in education. LHS Student Council is still active despite shelter-in-place and pre-K is enrolling for next year. All those stories and more on this edition of Weibo Podcast Network News. I'm Kelvin Kirvin. Start this newscast, however, with the coronavirus. When students left school for spring break on March 13th, they, for the most part, had no idea they would not be returning. In very quick order, there's an announcement that spring break would be extended a week, then another delay, then an announcement that Lancaster ISD, along with most other school districts in the state, was transitioning to distance learning. The Ajane Hall starts us off with a discussion about how students are reacting to this educational transformation. It's not easy to adapt to the way we're uh, having school now. However, it's not impossible. Uh, I would rather be in school, but it's okay to not be in school as long as you're learning. That was senior Michaela Johnson expressing the feeling of many students, not only in Lancaster ISD, but across Texas, the United States, and even around the world. On March 13th, Lancaster ISD students left their school for spring break and did not return. Instead, students and teachers transitioned into distant learning, a transition that has been fairly simple for junior Savandria Evans. I've been adapting to the new school, the new way of school very well. Um, it's easier and more efficient. And I like the online classes more than regular classes because with uh, online classes you have no choice but to focus and it's nobody around you to like distract you or whatever. Being out of the classroom has produced other benefits for students. This however is easier for me because um, being a senior student at high school, in high school I'm sorry, um, I do get to spend more time focusing on college and my next few steps. For Weepo Podcast Network News, I'm Diaz Neha. <laughs> Kia Morgan continues the story with the teacher's point of view. COVID-19 has taken the entire world by storm. Teachers now have to provide online instruction in order to prepare students for the next level. Although being in a worldwide shutdown may not be entirely too bad, it allows for teachers to catch up on personal life tasks without the grueling process of waking up before 7.30. Algebra 2 instructor and coach Vincent Williams says that Online instruction requires students to be more independent and take more ownership of their learning. He says, quote, I think it could be tough for some kids because they are not used to doing that, end quote. While teachers are not able to see their students in the classroom, which means they are not able to control whether or not their students are doing assignments, they are still able to help students who need help and while getting personal tasks done as well. For Weibo Podcast Network News, I'm Rakia Morgan. Finally, AJ Alexander tells us how administrators from the school level up to district level have managed and are managing this transition. Schools across the state of Texas were forced to shift their teaching paradigms. And that means a lot of principals and a lot of superintendents had to shift their thinking paradigms when it came to educating the children in their charge. That has taken a lot of time and effort to get up and running according to Lancaster ISD Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Elijah Granger. I have to say it's been a real team effort. Uh, I have a great team that I work with uh, and we've all been working very diligently to make sure that our students get 
you know, the best education possible given, given the cir circumstances. So we are, we are, it, it has changed us, uh, changed our way of thinking, uh, just uh, changed the way we, we operate. Uh, there's been a lot of revelations and insights because of, of this change. The changing mindset was not only at the district level, but filtered down to the schools. Here is Pleasant Run Elementary School Principal Dr. Marlon Waite. I have to understand this is different from not only myself, but my students and my families uh, that are in my community. So I can't go in with the same perspective of, of this is regular school, do what regular school asks you to do. And with the new paradigm comes new work, according to Lancaster High School Principal Eleanor Webb. Because now there is a sense of urgency in trying to uh, reach the masses uh, virtually trying to make sure that teachers and students have what they need, uh, that I am answering parent concerns, uh, that we are technically able uh, to make sure that the students are online, the teachers are online, um, having to support our uh, students with individual education plans to make sure that they are getting the individualized help that they need. Superintendent Granger says the district's teachers are why the transition from classroom learning to online learning has been as successful as it has. They have done a, a yeoman's job of carrying on lessons and taking care of business. Uh, they are interacting with the students. They are taking care of our students. Uh, that's, I think, is a high-rise moment uh, because just knowing that the, the great job and that they are doing, and I'm hearing that from our parents. Keeping the teachers' morale up is a priority for Dr. Waits. We have a whole group meet uh, for all our teachers, and we post uh, videos in there. We post uh, pictures in there. I try to put a, a video in just to make people laugh or or uh, put a statement in to make people laugh. My teachers are doing the same thing. They or talking to each other about what they cooked last night or what's the best meal, who had the best entree and things of that nature. Uh, just keeping them motivated, understanding that we're all this together. Keeping the teachers morale up is not the only challenge principals faced, however. My biggest challenge at the, at the start was making sure every student got a device and making sure that uh, every student was logging in and that parents understood criteria, that the parents understood it to the point where they were able to help the children and that the teachers had what, what they needed. Uh, and then the process of delegating became uh, something we had to look at because our needs virtually are very different than meeting in a physical building. So that was a challenge, delegating, making sure students had devices, making sure we were able to help parents understand uh, what was required of students and making sure that they were able to help students and that the teachers had what they needed uh, to get the process going. With remote education, the hard decisions are not over yet for Superintendent Granger. I'll tell you about the decision that that has uh, that I'm actually toiling with right now, uh, and just and it's a difficult decision, and just trying to make sure that we strike the right balance. Uh, and that's with that's uh, with graduation for our class of 2020 seniors. We want to make sure that our seniors are celebrated. 
that they get a celebration uh, deserving of their hard work and, and all of their sacrifices throughout the their years of, uh, of school. For We Will Podcast Network News, I'm Asia Alexander. The COVID-19 outbreak has not just changed the classroom setting, but extracurricular activities as well. Lancaster High School student council sponsor Amanda Morrison says they had to adapt their campaign for Texas Association of Student Council President. And we would have had a Saturday full of campaigning and passing out buttons and stickers or whatever. We, were, I think we were going to give out scrunchies and what else were we going to give out? Like uh, friendship bracelets. We were going to make that. We're going to have this booth with where people could come and play games like anything from Twister to Big Jenga to carnival type games and take pictures and have fun. Um, we had a skit, a beach themed skit that was popsicles and <laughs> having we would have been on the main stage of the conference sharing our platform. Ophelia would have had a speech on stage. Um, so, yeah, it would have been pretty, pretty different than building a website and now having to go totally on online. Churches are also finding themselves with a large paradigm shift during this time. Kaori Gray has more. The church I go to is Mind of Faith Breakthrough Ministries. Like most everyone during the past few weeks, I haven't actually been going to the church building. What other changes have there been to the church mission, though? Chief Apostle Thomas Turner of Mind of Faith Breakthrough Ministries says outreach is a big change for the church. We have to go video outreach rather than just, let's just say, from mouth to mouth or just expecting to come to the church and and putting out flyers and various things like that because now we're not going to the church. So the people that's on the outside, so we had to do video. So the strategy is now uh, do things on Facebook and do things, uh, whatever it has to do with video, outreach, all the platforms that they have available. Even though the flock is not gathered together on Sundays, the church is still a cornerstone of the community. That's why the church is so valuable because, because then the church will be another way for people to try to find churches also used as a place, uh, almost as a social service. Sometimes people don't know how to connect with people that, that may be having food banks. They don't know how to connect with uh, social services that may pay their light bill. And sometimes the church has information to empower the people to be able to get relief until they can uh, get back on their feet again. So it's not just a spiritual support, it's also practical support as far as outreach. Feeding. That, that's when the scripture come in, that we're supposed to feed, you know, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. And when I was when I didn't have no clothes, nobody, nobody, you didn't clothe me. I was, I was in sick. You didn't come and visit me. So the the great commission or outreach for the church is to have vision for when there is a crisis like this, a pandemic crisis, is for the church to prepare itself to be a restorer, to be a healer to the community. Also, Turner says that COVID nineteen much like the ancient Romans, will not diminish the church. The church has always, the religious institution, the belief in God will always survive 
everything. Because in essence, what it comes down to when people, people, people was created by, by God. And when people experience their greatest crisis, their greatest needs, they're going to turn back to their creator. And turning back to your creator, meaning that you got to turn back to where is the voice of God. The church is the voice of God. How can you hear except you have a preacher? How can he preach except he be sent? Well, we will podcast Network News. I'm Kaori Gray. During this outbreak, students from economically disadvantaged households across the nations are still being provided food by school districts that are closed for everything else besides child nutrition. Kalia Coleman explains. One in four children go hungry all throughout Texas. Most kids rely on school lunches or any snacks provided by a food organization, which is why Lancaster ISD is providing daily meals for students, even though the school buildings are not open right now. The meals for all students are distributed at Lancaster High School. Food insecurity and is is a re is a reality that uh, many Texans live with. It may not be visible to some, but the data shows uh, that it's true. And and the stories that we hear from from individuals that we speak with all over the state uh, show that it's true. The North Texas Food Bank and the organization No Kid Hungry provide food assistance to a great number of families. Numbers from the organization can be found online. North Texas Food Bank Program Administrator Madison Messenger says schools providing meals is essential. For so many families, they rely on one to two meals, breakfast, lunch, um, sometimes snacks at schools. Uh, Those free and reduced price meals are a true lifeline to families. Um, Not only does it ensure that the child can is guaranteed healthy food once a day you know once or twice a day um but it's also a financial burden lifted off the family plus it's you know it's a a mental emotional burden lifted off the family being able to rely on that stability those meals through school so when schools started closing like you said everybody everyone was like oh my gosh what do we do about the kids and these meals you know how do we how do we work around this um and so this the school districts they've really they've really stepped up in so many different ways the districts it's been really incredible to watch um and they're they're finding all different sorts of methods you know we we see everything from like grab and go, you know, where families, uh, they drive up, it's a, it's a drive through distribution, they grab their meals and they head out, you know, sometimes they're getting a bag with, you know, their meals for the whole week. The grab and go model is the only one being used by Lancaster ISD during this time. Families can go to Lancaster High School and get their meal. This is a model many districts are using but Franco Cruz, a program manager with the organization No Kid Hungry, says there are other models being used as well. Doing more than one day's worth of meal at either pickup um, or some schools are also delivering to the house. So what I mean by that is when you go as a family of two students with a parent to go pick up the meals, uh, let's say it's on a Monday, you're picking up meals for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and possibly even Thursday in one shot. So you're getting four breakfasts, four lunches in that one trip. Uh, And then on Friday, they go again and they get food for the weekend. Uh, So that model has been uh, pretty uh, great and sustainable for a lot of school districts uh, because it does two things. One, it really allows 
school districts to make their operating costs more efficient because they're able to right make the food and distribute it at a predetermined time. Another thing also that it allows is it eliminates contact person to person a little bit more because you're instead of just instead of seeing people five days a week, you're only seeing people two days a week now. Um, and so that's going to make that program more sustainable long term because uh, we want programs to continue to operate all the way through August. So if there's an outbreak in the kitchen uh, with COVID, unfortunately, they obviously have to close. Um, so we want to have a lot of preventative measures in place and have good practices. So that way these programs can be operating efficiently and sustainably more importantly for, uh, for the months to come. Messenger adds, though the situation has changed, the organization mission has not. What that means for us now is that the need is just much greater, exponentially greater. I mean, we've seen in the news with so many people applying for um, unemployment, so much lost income. Um, I'm sure you've seen pictures in the news of, you know, like cars, just lines, huge lines of cars um, outside food banks and food pantries. And so our mission is still the same to provide meals, um, but we just have a much greater demand right now. Cruz echoes that sentiment saying the COVID-19 outbreak only accelerated programs they already have in place. Just in Texas alone, uh, right, we have we have over 8,900 public schools. Uh, we have 5.3 million students. Th these are students that over 180 days a year get breakfast, lunch, and in many schools also supper through their, through their public school. The, this is not only a nutritional element that these students are receiving, but it's also a financial assistance that families receive uh, at, as in, it alleviates the financial burden of families because they get their schools taking care of the nutritional needs for their kids. There's one in four kids in Texas that rely on free and reduced meals they, re they receive in school. The text message line, uh, you text FOOD to 877-877. We normally have this text message line available every year in the summer. So if you're at, at, at school, during, at home during the summer, you text this number and you can find what school near you is serving food for the summer. So this year we opened up our text message line way, way early before the summer uh, to help folks find food during this COVID-19 crisis. Again, text the word FOOD to 877 877 to find the school or community organization serving meals closest to you. The links for both of these organizations, the North Texas Food Bank and No Kid Hungry are available in this podcast show's notes. For Webo Podcast Network News, I'm Kalia Coleman. Dallas County is under a shelter-in-place order until at least May 15th. Jalen Wells has a story explaining why that and the cancellation of school for the remainder of the school year could be dangerous to some students. When Dallas County went to shelter in place, meaning most of the people in the county of over two and a half million people were staying at home with their families. The coronavirus is in the shelter in place is a little bit traumatic. It's different. It's, you know, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, so even for you know, financially stable and very safe homes. It's still a stressful time. What we know um, about, you know, people that abuse children or maybe their partner spouse is that in times of, you know, when it's uh, 
hard times, so financially hard times or whatever, usually that abuse increases. So we are super concerned about, um, you know, children being at home in a maybe in a potentially unsafe home without a safe person to talk to. That was Sarah Burns with Dallas Children's Advocacy Center, DCAC. DCAC is a nonprofit organization that reads reports of child abuse, coordinates the investigations of cases, interviews the victims to reduce trauma, then provides therapy to child abuse victims and non-offending family members. Even with the concerns that Burns just stated, the numbers of reported cases are dropping. Because teachers are mandated reporters and oftentimes for kids living in abusive homes, um, school is a safe place for them. That's actually where a lot of um, child abuse reports come from. Teachers may not get one-on-one time with students um, or be able you know, to talk about such things. So we've actually seen since the start of April, um, probably a 50% reduction in reports of abuse versus the same time last April. But Burns adds those numbers will go back up after the shelter in place is over and after children go back to school. Anytime there's um, like a break from school. So when school starts back up from the summer or after the holiday break or after spring break, um, we get a lot of reports of abuse and, and new investigations that have to be investigated. Burns adds that adults can help by being educated on how to recognize and report child abuse and how to keep children safe in the real and virtual world. They have training on their websites at www.dcac.org. That link, as well as the codes for those trainings, are available in the episode notes for this podcast. Also available in the episode notes is a document for the Dallas Children's Advocacy Center's Pinwheels of Hope Project, where you can show your support for their mission. All of the information, plus how you can provide momentary and tangible donations, again, are on the Dallas Children's Advocacy Center website at www.dcac.org. For Weibo Podcast Network News, I'm Jalen Wells. Even with COVID-19, life does go on, and that includes preparing for next year. Lancaster ISD is in the midst of its annual pre-kindergarten enrollment drive. Nyla Hodges has more. Lancaster ISD is in the midst of pre-K enrollment. Lancaster ISD Early Childhood Curriculum Specialist, Dr. Angie Knight, explains the challenges of reaching out to parents to enroll their children while the district has shifted online. 2020 has, has come with a huge bag, a mixed bag of, of, of its own challenges, right? So we're used to um, spending an inordinate amount of time um, marketing and advertising to the children of, of the city of Lancaster, as well as kind of, you know, to the people on the cusp, if Dallas County, if you will. And now that all of us are shelter in place at this point, it has been very difficult to, um, to try to attract people who may or may not be aware that we are having a pre-K and kindergarten registration. But what exactly is pre-K? Again, Dr. Angie Knight. Many people believe that pre-K is the same as daycare, and it is absolutely not. Um, We have found that 
it is very, very, very important to get students as early as possible into school. Um, some of the research shows that 90% of brain development actually uh, occurs by the age of five. So the earlier that we can bring students into school, the earlier that we can bridge some of those gaps. So pre-K basically is our effort to intervene with students as early as possible to um, help them with language, writing, social, emotional uh, development, all of those things that are integral to, uh, to education. Rolling Hills Elementary School principal Cherish Pipkin shares the importance of students attending pre-K. Pre-K is a foundation that I believe every young child needs. It, it gets them going for their education. It's like a launching pad. Um, it's critical because in addition to the educational benefits, there are a lot of social benefits. Students are learning how to show compassion and care for their peers. Um, they learn to take turns and to share. So there are some social benefits. And then of course, the educational benefits. When our students come into pre-K, they are learning the alphabet. They're identifying all of their alphabet, as well as the sounds that go with each letter, which those are the skills that they need to become readers. And what we find our pre-K students, a, a large percentage of them leave move into kindergarten and they are already reading. Um, also in pre-K, they become problem solvers. In pre-K, they are exposed to patterns, basic geometry as far as 2D shapes, 3D shapes. Uh, they learn addition, subtraction, and of course, identifying their numbers. But all of those help them to become problem solvers. So pre-K overall is a great program for any child who you want to become successful in education. As changes in this time have convinced numerous schools to proceed their teachings with online learning, Rolling Hills Elementary has made their own accommodations. We are taking it week by week. Our priority has been relationships. We want to make sure that we stay connected with them and then making sure that all of their needs are met. My staff has done a great job of keeping in contact with their students and with their parents. So some of my teachers are doing weekly Zoom or weekly Google Meet sessions where they're able to talk to parents, you know, have some type of contact with their students, answer questions. Um, some teachers are still doing their song routines and the things that they would do in their classrooms. I have others who are doing recorded videos where they're able to um, at least have that voice that the students can hear. So we have all taken it on. It's become very intentional with us so that we can stay connected with our students, especially the younger ones. We want to make sure that they don't lose that personal connection with us. Lancaster ISD would love for every child to have the same opportunity. Dr. Angie Knight gives hope and insight on the registration process for incoming pre-K students who will attend the 2020 through 2021 school year. Our communications team is doing a phenomenal job of really pushing all the different social media outlets because again, we know that while people are quarantined or people are sheltering in place, they are most definitely out there looking at Instagram, looking at their Twitter feed, looking at Facebook, um, checking those outlets. And so um, our communications team is, is really, um, has identified those different, those, those huge big bang for your buck social media outlets and are advertising to everyone 
um, that we're already enrolling for pre-K and kindergarten. Pre-K enrollment does go through August, but the sooner the children are enrolled, the easier it is for the schools to prepare for that child. Visit LancasterISD.org for pre-K enrollment. For Weibo Podcast Network News, I am Nyla Hodges. The City of Lancaster is also pushing its residents during this time to fill out their census. Lancaster City Manager Opal Maldron Jones explains why it's so important to fill out the census form. The data that is collected uh, looks at the population. It looks at demographics of the population for a particular location, um, in this case, the city of Lancaster. And that data is utilized to make a number of decisions, in economic decisions as well. So beyond looking at representation at the federal level, such as your U.S. representation, it also looks at your local representation uh, within our local municipality, because after the census is taken, redistricting occurs to make sure that we have uh, representation in equal amount or everyone is entitled to equal representation be before the governing body. There are financial decisions that are made. How much money goes into an area for infrastructure? How much money goes into an area for hospitals, for education, for uh, programs related to education, such as uh, nutrition programs? and preschool or pre-K or early uh, childhood education. She also warns that failing to fill out the census could put more people of color at a disadvantage. The census creates an opportunity for communities of color to have a voice because where that voice is, it determines our representation at the federal level in the United States Congress. That data then can be translated into um, power um, and with that power comes the economics um, and the resources that go along with having a voice. Citizens can contact the city to learn how to fill out the census. So we're promoting and, and pushing out the information related to here is how, even if you don't have that postcard, even if you don't know the link, here is where you can click or call and immediately just take the survey. It is that critically important. We are permitting, putting information in utility bills. We're, um, we have a great relationship with our school district and working with the administration and the staff to make sure that it's going out, trying to promote it through the student organizations. Because we do know that sometimes the students in working with their parents make sure that the parents get that form completed when they understand that um, completing the census could mean more resources for the school district, which means more resources in the classroom and more resources and opportunities for programs directly for the students. The city's website is www.lancaster-tx.com. The LHS Student Council, besides running for statewide office, as mentioned previously, has picked up some awards. They have received the Outstanding Student Council Sweepstake Council Award from the Texas Association of Student Councils. Junior Class President Ophelia Brown explains the award. We got Outstanding Student Council and we got sweepstakes. And that means we completed enough activities to qualify for that award. And there's certain things you have to complete like DASH product projects, which is drugs, alcohol, safety and health and energy and environment and pride and patriotism and certain things like that to qualify for those awards. Student Council sponsor Amanda Morrison 
describes the work the council put in to win this year. And they have five awards that they hand out, which is Outstanding Student Council, uh, Pride and Patriotism, um, DASH, which is Drug, Alcohol, Safety, and Health um, Awareness Campaigns or Projects, Energy and Environment, and then Community Service. So in order to get sweepstakes, um, there's five different forms that a council would have to fill out. Each different form has so many projects that you have to complete. So in sweepstakes, when you do outstanding and then all these other forms, that means that you've done tons of projects for your school community and, and so forth. That's We Will Podcast Network News for April of 2020. Before we go, we have to say goodbye to one of our peers. On Saturday, April 25th, Lancaster High School junior Demila Barber died from complications related to COVID-19, less than a month away from her 18th birthday. Jamila was involved in Lancaster High School's JROTC battalion. She was a budding graphic design artist, and she was, like all of our WeWo Podcast Network staff, a member of Tiger Student Media. She worked on the 2019-2020 yearbook, writing captions, taking photos, and designing yearbook pages. Her death has hit us all hard. We offer this moment of silence in her honor. Sleep peacefully, Jamila. For We Will Podcast Network News, I'm Kelvin Kirvin. This has been We Will Podcast Network News.